right, everybody, welcome to episode 99 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man, Bill at Super Duper Flex. Bill, how you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Uh, it was a crazy, uh, crazy week with a lot of, a lot of fun endings and uh, some records broken and all that fun stuff. So, um, yeah, we're we're starting to figure out our teams too. You know, um, whether uh, which direction we're headed, if we got to start doing some work on our teams and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is a fun part of the season for sure. Things uh, good. Yeah, I, dude, 100% agree with you on that. Uh, and it's funny, we were actually talking before we went live about uh, a league that we're both in, and uh, your team looks to be ascending, and my team, which I, I kind of went into the season knowing, but, you know, it is being confirmed with games being played that I need to uh, I need to do some rebuilding, some retooling. So we were talking about that. So, yeah, we, we are figuring out our teams, um, you know, are we on the upswing? Uh, you know, are we getting ready maybe to uh, move some pieces and try to get younger and try to get picks and try to do all that stuff that we say we do when we uh, when we rebuild? But yeah, man, um, a lot of crazy games this week. Um, as you can see, it's a it's a two man operation this week. Our our other co host Drew uh, had some work obligations. So he's, uh, he's not here this week, but he will be back, uh, be back next week. You know, his bills, uh, came out, Josh Allen showed, uh, why he is who we thought he was and put a, uh, put a beating on the, uh, Washington football team. Uh, my Dallas Cowboys, uh, had a hell of a game, a great game against the, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And, I know Bill Bill doesn't take these things too hard, but his his team got robbed out of a win by the refs uh, on Sunday. So uh, a lot a lot to be happy about, though, because I feel like the Lions have hung in there every week. They haven't been uh, they haven't really been boat raced by anyone. I know uh, San Francisco had that big lead, and maybe they came back in garbage time. But you know, I feel like Dan Campbell maybe that biting kneecap mentality is uh is starting to rub off on them that uh never give up fight to the final uh final second mentality is doing them well so uh we'll see what happens but uh hopefully all of your uh fantasy teams won this week hopefully your uh your real life teams won as well and if not that's why we play fantasy man because <laughs> you can hate a you can have a bad team in real life and then look at your fantasy team and go I like this team. This team is good. This team wins for me. So, um, dude, let's let's do this. Let's go into the uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly for week three. And uh, Bill, why don't you start us off? All right. Um, so my good was Mike Williams. Uh, he had seven catches, one hundred twenty-two yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, we've been waiting for him to show up, and then once. Uh, you know, they changed the coaching staff this year and there was a lot of talk about uh, Mike Williams being kind of the focal point of this offense um, just based on the plays they run. And um, it's starting to show that a little bit, you know, I mean, of course, Keenan Allen's there and as 
always going to get targets, but it looks like Mike Williams is starting to step up a bit. And, you know, the biggest thing like always is, is he going to stay healthy? And, you know, that's always going to be a bit concern with them, but well, he is, you know, you know, enjoy the ride. So I, I think, uh, you know, he was one of the guys that I didn't expect, you know, most of the guys that performed this week were, were players that I, you know, typically expect to do well, but, um, but yeah, he was one of them that kind of caught my eye otherwise. Yeah. And I, I am not going to sit here and lie. Uh, I think at some point during the preseason, somebody was talking about Mike Williams and I said, we need to stop trying to make Mike Williams a thing. And uh, this season so far, Mike Williams has, uh, has shut me up. He has been a thing and a very big thing. You know, we heard the hype about Mike Williams before the season from Joe Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, how, you know, this is the New Orleans offense and Mike Williams is going to play the um, Michael Thomas role. And we all were just kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. You know, this is this is preseason hype. You know, this is one of those things that we didn't take to heart. But I mean, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of been that role now, obviously, you know. Mike Michael Thomas had nobody near as talented as Keenan Allen in New Orleans, so it's not you know the constant force feeding of Mike Williams, but they are giving him a lot of targets, and he is doing a lot with them. So yeah, do one hundred percent agree with your uh, with your good. Um, my good is Matt Stafford, um, three hundred forty three yards, four touchdowns. And this is against the Bucks, and this is a defense that, you know, we talked a lot about last year. You know, defense is the reason why, you know, one of the reasons why they were the Super Bowl champions. Uh, and they, they got lit up. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. Matt Stafford looks amazing. And, man, when he uncorks a ball, it is just a pretty – looking thing when he hits a van jefferson deep or deshaun jackson deep it is really a thing of beauty i don't even know how else to uh to describe it and uh so yeah 343 yards four touchdowns no interceptions against uh, a defense that i still think is a very good defense so if uh if you didn't think they were going to be a super bowl contender uh before this game i think this game shows you that they can hang with anybody in the NFL and they can beat anybody in the NFL at any time. Uh, I'm going to transition right into my bad. Uh, the guy that Matt Stafford was traded for, uh, Jared Goff, 217 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And look, I know people are going to come at me. Well, Jared Goff sucks anyway. We knew he sucked. It. All right. First of all, Jared Goff is a fine quarterback. He's an okay quarterback. He is not, you know, a bottom three quarterback or a bottom five quarterback. You know, there's a lot of guys in the league that can claim that responsibility. Um, but, dude, I mean, we've seen them get, you know, we've seen them get behind. Jared Goff has had to throw. He's been effective throwing to the running backs. He's been effective, you know, throwing the ball. And he's had good fantasy days, and this game was close all the way through. Uh, it was a low-scoring game on both sides, and he just he he was not good. I mean, 217 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions is not going to do it for you. 
But uh, Bill, why don't you uh, why don't you hit us up with who your bad was? Yeah, so just a, a hit on uh, Stafford. Like he looks incredible. It's super cool to see him play for a a team with a coaching staff that you know at least is in the uh, current millennium. And um, yeah, I mean it's exciting just to watch with all the. Um, I mean, him and Cooper Cup just took off. I'm sure that Goff is just like pissed because everybody always joked that those two guys were a couple and it's like, man, Stafford just like came in and, and took over and cup forgot all about golf. So, um, you know, that, that, that's pretty fun to watch just as a Lions fan to see him play with a good team is pretty cool. Um, yeah, Goff, I mean, he is what he is. You're right. He didn't do anything to help the team really. Um, he, and he, you're right. I agree with you. He isn't like a bottom five QB. I mean, I probably in the like around twenty or so is where I would put him. So, I mean, performing like that, he's not going to win many games. And I mean, so what's the point of having him? <laughs> so, like at the salary. So I think the Lions are probably going to either try to trade him uh, before you know the trade deadline, or they'll just let him go unless he shows some market improvement and. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Or maybe they keep him another year when they have their uh, young quarterback behind him or something like that. But uh, my bad. And actually, I just came up with another one. But I'll I'll put that one in the ugly, I guess. Um, my bad is uh, Damian Harris. Uh, he, you know, uh, James White got hurt in the first half. So there was plenty of opportunity to be out on the field. Um you know, with getting some targets, uh, he still only got two targets for negative three yards. Uh, you know, it's just, when can you play him? Like every, there's a lot of talk, you know, that Damon Harris is just the guy this year and everybody just kind of forgot about, um, what new England does and everything's so compartmentalized. That's really tough to pick a running back that, uh, you know, it's going to be super dynamic in that offense. So um, Damian Harris is just a big bummer in terms of like any hope that you had that he was going to be more than what any one part of that offense typically provides. So, um, but this proved it in my opinion, without James White being out there and him not being able to do any, get any other additional volume. So um yeah, I just uh, – he's just another guy really now, which is unfortunate. I mean, you just got to hope – play him in uh, positive game scripts, I guess. Sorry, uh, you, caught, you caught me uh, you caught me right after cough on that one. Um, no, but I totally agree, and I think – I think we just expected it to be kind of Damian Harris with James White in that receiving role. Um, I don't know. I, I never thought Damian Harris could be a all around guy, a pass catching guy and a, and a rusher. But man, it seemed like it almost seemed like James White left and took part of Damian Harris with him because then it was like Brandon Bolden was out there just like doing everything. It was like, oh, what the hell's happening out here? Um, which, by the way, if you're in a super deep league, uh, Throw a couple fab dollars at Brandon Bolden and see, you know, if he's now the James White. You know, a lot there's been a lot of um, a lot of conjecture about, you know, 
Will it be J.J. Taylor? Will it be Brandon Bolden? Will maybe Jacoby Meyer now take over some of that, you know, kind of quote-unquote short yardage running back passing work? You know, so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I agree with you. Um, Damian Harris was a uh, big pooper for uh, for your week three team. Uh, who's your ugly? Okay, so this is my two uglies. It's from the same game. Um, it's the Lions and Ravens. Uh, so Hawkinson, I mean, he was just like gang, gang, gang busters the first two weeks. And then uh, this week he caught two passes, two targets for 10 yards. So like, where did that volume go? I mean, maybe the defense was shutting him down and, you know, we'll see moving forward, but you can't have too many of these stinker games uh, and still be considered an elite um, tight end. I mean, we see it a little bit, you know, Waller had a, a bummer of a game and, you know, that sort of thing. So, I mean, one's not the end of the world, but this was pretty ugly for uh, um, somebody that we were hoping was jumping up into that elite level for tight end. Uh, the other one, which is actually uglier, is uh, Marquise Brown dropping two passes, um, which were arguably potentially both touchdowns, and they were, like, complete butterfinger drops. Like, there was nothing – there's no argument to be made to say – oh, well, you know, it was kind of high or it was kind of this. Like, these things were dropped right into his hands, and he he dropped them. So, like, I mean, that was actually, in my opinion, the ugliest because he had the potential for a monster game and a blowout game where it wouldn't even have mattered. But, like, I mean, he just – he made it tough on the team. And if it wasn't for a 66-yard field goal, I mean, you know, they could have lost that game. So, um you know, he's got to be the one on that whole team thanking his lucky stars that that field goal went in. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible the efficiency that Hollywood ha- Brown had at dropping touchdown passes. I don't know if I've ever seen a guy just like, I mean, listen, you see, you know, when you're down deep and, you know, you're on the five-yard line or the seven-yard line, you see those 50-50 balls, they get batted, they, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they, it wasn't anything like that. I mean, Hollywood was like, it was like, oh, this is a four-short touchdown. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, no, uh, 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 nope. Holly Brown, Hollywood Brown, excuse me, turned into San Bernardino Brown again. And he was out there just dropping passes, you know. He was uh he wasn't even Hollywood adjacent Brown. So uh it was it was not good. That was a good one. Um both good ones. And yeah, I was just looking up Jared Goff's uh attempts. Cause obviously we know that first game of the season, he had 57 attempts. I mean, they were just throwing the ball. 49ers got out to a big lead very quickly, and Jared Goff was spending the whole game pretty much trying to throw him back into it. But against uh Green Bay. He only threw the ball 36 times, which I'm actually kind of surprised considering the game that Hawk had, the game that DeAndre Swift had. I thought he would have thrown the ball a lot more. And in this past game against Detroit, only threw the ball 30 times. So I'm wondering if this is a, you know, Jared Goff is going to have to throw the ball at least 40 times a game in order to keep uh, Swift and Hawk relevant and if that's the case this this trend doesn't look good for that right now it keeps going down every week now i honestly you know i think that there will be spikes there will be ebbs and flows but if we're looking at maybe 35 attempts as 
what we need to hope for a good game from from Hawk, I mean, that could be tough on a week to week basis, hitting thirty five every week. So something something we have to be uh, a little scared of. But uh, let me hit my ugly real quick, and I went all quarterbacks, which I didn't realize until I actually written it all out, and then I said I picked three quarterbacks. Uh, the ugly, and this might this might be the ugliest of the week. Um, Justin Fields, man, we got excited. We were like, Justin Fields, let's go. He's finally out there. He is the man. He is the number one. Allen Robinson's going to go off. Darnell Mooney's going to go off. Uh, David Montgomery's going to have all this room to run because the defense isn't going to know what to do. Well, 68 yards. No, people. Not 68 yards rushing. 68 passing yards. <laughs> there, there's this long pause and this long silence because I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, no, no touchdowns and no interceptions. Like, like our, like my bad. Excuse me, uh, Jared Goff. Nine sacks. <sighs> Listen, Matt Nagy, what are you doing, man? What are you? Listen, guys, get sacked. We know the Chicago offensive line is Swiss cheese. We get it. But after like sack three, doesn't the light bulb come on and say, okay, we need to, we need to do things to make sure Justin Fields doesn't get sacked. Like it's happened three times. That's a lot of times. Matt Nagy just, he stuck with the game plan and was just like, I'm going to let him get hit as many times as he gets hit. And I don't care. And I don't know how that's good for a young quarterback. I don't know. Listen, young quarterbacks are going to have bad games. We've seen Trevor Lawrence throw two interceptions every game this season. We've seen Zach Wilson stink out loud, you know. But you got to do something to build confidence, and letting a guy get sacked nine times is not going to do it. And now Matt Nagy doubles down on just trying to ruin Justin Fields, I think, and says, well, any of the three guys we got on the roster can start next week. <laughs> what? So you're telling me right now, hey, we let you get beat up and you might not even get a second crack at this thing. Like, talk about how to, what was that movie? Uh, how to Lose a Girl in 10 Days or How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Matt Nagy is writing a movie, How to Lose a Quarterback in 10 Days, because by the time week four comes around, Justin Fields may be a shell of himself. So uh, that was my ugly. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't even have any more words because it was just so bad. Yeah, it couldn't really get any uglier than it did, right? Like, I mean, that's like almost Nathan Peterman-esque a little bit, you know, like, uh, but with way more fanfare. Um, you know, it's... It's too bad. And yeah, I mean, like everybody getting super stoked for him. I mean, we see all the other quarterbacks struggling or not starting. So like, it's just, that's just the way of the world. Uh, I was having this conversation earlier is like, aside from Herbert, when was the last quarterback that started like early in the season um, that ended up having a really good, you know, like rookie season. And I can't really RG three maybe like I can't think of really anybody that I 
I mean, I would say had an incredible first season. Kyler, maybe. Now, do you do you mean just NFL wise, or are you talking fantasy wise? Well, I'll say NFL wise, even. Um, um, I, I think I think Dak. I mean, they were fourteen and two. Now, obviously, that was an offense that was run a lot through Zeke. So I, yeah, I don't want to yeah, give yeah. I don't want to give Dak all this credit, like he was throwing for five thousand yards and forty touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, he was super like yeah, controlled. He he like, did what they what they asked him to do very well. Yeah, the thing was they didn't ask him to do a ton in that. Okay, season. yeah, but well, regardless, point being is like, it doesn't there's happen. Not, there's not many and. Right. And so to to get so excited for Fields, I mean, never expected it to be this bad, obviously. But like, it's just like it's it's not something that you can expect. And if you're going into it starting a, a rookie quarterback in his first start, you're probably uh, you know it's a pie in the sky move. I think uh, where you're just hoping for the the best. And I mean. Hey, I, I had to start him in one. He was my second quarterback in a uh, super flex. Uh, and, you know, it, it happens. But, like, any other option, man, you can't be uh, trusting these guys in their first start because the game is so much faster. The game is, you know, you, do you trust the coaching first and foremost? Um, you know, the defense are doing stuff. They're not just playing base defense, like, in the – you know, preseason. So it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, taper your expectations for the season. And, uh, you know, but yeah, that was, that was bad. That was about as bad. I can't imagine it being worse, honestly. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, the, the fact that it almost seemed like Matt Nagy was opposed to letting Justin Fields do anything that he's actually good at. While on the NFL uh, on the NFL field, you, you nailed it on the head, Bill. I, that's scary to me. That that coaching uh, and the play calling it scares the hell out of me. I mean, hopefully that whole crew is out of there. They bring in a staff that actually knows what they're doing when it comes to working with a quarterback and trying to build an offense around what he does well. And I mean, we see it in Carolina with uh, with Sam Darnold. They're not they're not asking him to do a lot of things that he's not good at because they understand his limitations and they go, okay, we're going to build an offense that, you know, accentuates your strengths and try to hide your weaknesses as much as we possibly can. And it just seems like Matt Nagy is a guy who the offense is the offense. You have to run it this way, no matter what you do well, what you don't do well. And that almost never works. So, all right, that was a good, uh, Good, bad, and ugly. There, Let, let's. We got a couple questions in the chat. I want to hit up before we get into uh, what we saw on the timeline. This is from James Shue. Mixing Gibson or Saquon this week and rest the season. So, we'll start with this week first. Uh, this week, I think I like Mixon. Man, Thursday night game, bad Jaguars team. Uh, you know, I know. Uh, I know the Washington football team are playing Atlanta, but I mean, Atlanta kept kept the Giants from scoring, and I know that's not like a, a big you know party to be thrown, but not every team is going to go out there and score you know thirty five on them. So we'll see. But I, I think I will go with Mixon. I, I like the matchup this week. What do you What do you think? 
You're on mute, I think. Who do the Giants play? Uh, the Giants play New Orleans. Okay, so that's pretty good D, and it's going to be a really low volume of plays. I think they're going to just – it's going to be uh, tough. Uh, yeah, I think I would be down to Mixon or Gibson. Um, so, yeah, I think Mixon should get a lot of run. Um, so I think I tend to agree with that. Um, rest of the season, I would go Saquon. Um, I just think, like, he's just getting into his uh, – you know, being back to healthy, everybody expected to be around week four anyway. So here we are. Um, I don't hate just trusting Saquon uh, being Saquon this week, but I mean, season long, I think Saquon's pretty easy for me. I'm with you. And I love that you brought up the point that this is kind of what we expected. We knew the first two to three weeks were probably going to be him shaking off the rust, the Giants kind of uh, amping up his usage as each of those weeks came by. And we saw that, you know, week one, not so much, you know, week two, a little bit more. We kind of saw a, a bigger increase week three. And now I think, you know, this might be the time where he is almost to a hundred percent, you know, maybe he's not a hundred, maybe he's 90, maybe he's 95, but he's kind of right on that edge where we're like, okay, th- we're going to get into full Saquon now. And, uh, so I agree with you on um, Saquon for the rest of the season as well. So, James, I uh, hope that helps you out for this week and for the rest of the season. So uh, really, Truther uh, has a lot here. He talks about A-Rob a- getting a 25% target share in that game. Got to think the good times are coming. I'm worried about the offensive line and the coaching. I said that earlier, Bill. I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, but let, he does have a question here, so I want to. I do want to throw that up here. Uh, Long term, he said. This is from Steve Dennis. Uh, do you want Fields or Darnold? And then he drops in uh, Trey Lance and Tua as well. So, um, long term, who are you looking at here uh, out of those four guys? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, it's probably between, it's probably Lance. Um, I still believe uh, in him and in the idea of him. Um, But I mean, Tua, I'm concerned with his injuries and it's been that way since college. And like, I just don't know. I mean, he's a smaller guy. So like, that I mean Fields, I, I I like Fields. I like the idea of Fields, but he has a bad coach now. Who's to say he's not going to get a bad coach next hire? Maybe they go with a defensive coach. That's oftentimes what they do when they go offense to de- every teams alternate. Um, so like, are they going to have somebody that's really going to be able to cater to this young quarterback? I don't know. Um, I do like Darnell's situation. I'm not sure he's ever going to be prolific. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think Lance is is where I'm at there. Um, as for the uh, A Rob, I'm concerned about A Rob. Like I, I think that he, I think A Rob in general is great. Like I, I'm I'm happy to be him to be on a team with an adequate quarterback at some point. And and the problem is like like Josh said, the just the the coaching and and how can we trust that they're gonna you know cater to a young player and give him the opportunity to succeed and, and then expand everything after that, where he just kind of threw him in there and said, good luck kid. And so like, I'm not really sure. 
I feel good about him at the moment. So I think Lance is my answer long-term, um, even though I haven't seen much of him. But, like, I think he's uh, he's being handled properly, at least, in my opinion. Yeah, and I love everything you said about Lance because um, just like what we were just talking about, coaching is better. Talent around him is better. And I'm still actually long-term going to go fields. I think he is the most talented out of the bunch. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not to say that Trey Lance is not super talented. Uh, I think he is. And I would not be shocked if five years from now we look at this question and we go, oh, it was Trey Lance the whole time. you know. But um, Right now, I'm still going with Fields. Yes, that that game was terrible. Um, there's no sugarcoating that. But I mean, let's let's take a look. You know, we we keep running into the same problem. We keep not learning our lesson. We did this with AJ Brown. We loved AJ Brown. Oh God, he went to he went to Tennessee. Marcus Mariota. Saw, oh my, he's he's not going to be good because you know. The situation is bad. And then all of a sudden, Marcus Mariota, he out. Ryan Tannehill's in. All of a sudden, we all love A.J. Brown. Not right now because he got hurt, but you know what I mean. Um, and it can, it can flip very easily for fields. you know. And, Bill, you made a good point. We could – he could get a, a bad coach. He could get another bad coach. We can't guarantee that Matt Nagy is out and he gets replaced with the next – Sean Payton or the next Bill Belichick or, you know, we nobody can guarantee that. But there could be a situation where maybe uh, Joe Brady comes in from Carolina. He gets a head coaching job and, you know, opens up this offense or Kellen Moore from Dallas comes in. And, you know, that could that could happen as well. You know, there's just a good of a chance as a, you know, a coordinator or a head coach coming in and really kind of trying to figure out what makes Justin Fields tick and kind of try to build an offense around them. Maybe they draft a few offensive linemen. They haven't, uh, oh no, they, excuse me. They gave up a first round pick to get Justin Fields. So they're going to be down a first round pick in the draft, but you know, they could use draft and free agency to try to shore up the holes. So I want to, I want to bank on the talent right now and go with fields, but Lance is a very, very close second in my opinion. So. Next year, I could be talking about uh, I could be talking about Trey Lance as the uh, as the guy out of this four, but uh, great uh, great question, Steve. And let's do what we do now. Let's go to the timeline, right, Bill? That's what we're here for. That's where the party's at. So let's go to the timeline. And this first one here is from Boyd Killingworth at Dynasty Boyd. Which wide receiver would you prefer to have on your dynasty side? Uh, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, or Amari Cooper? And Bill, why don't you start us off and uh, let us know what you're thinking? Yeah, it's tough. I think I automatically would remove McLaurin um, just because he's about the same age as Amari Cooper, I think. And I would probably rather have Cooper. Um, so then it just all depends on where I want to go. DJ Moore's the youngest by a fair b- bit. 
Um, so, I mean, Hopkins is a stud, um, but I think he's three or four years older than Amari. So I think I go DJ more just because of his youth and, um, you know, the, all the extra years. And I, I kind of trust the coaching staff there. I, I, I think he's really coming into his own this year. Um, so it, it's, it's nice to see. And, um, I mean, Amari, I'm just worried about like, okay, like, like he does resign with Dallas. That's great. I mean, cause that's the best situation for him. But if he doesn't, right, like, or like maybe this year and next year, like he get maybe he gets franchised this year coming up, then uh, they let him go. Where is he? And and so that that's DJ Moore. I feel more confident he's going to be there long t- long term. Um, and I love Hopkins. Like he's my favorite player. I think he could be good for the next five years just the way he plays the game. He's not really reliant on like speed or agility. It's just those immaculate hands he has. And um, so, I mean, I love Newt, but if I'm picking between the, the four of these guys, I think I'm actually going DJ Moore, Amari, Hopkins, um, and then uh, McLaurin. Okay. So I, I love how you talk that out because um, my – my top two were actually DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin, but actually listening to you talk about Amari makes me think that maybe, maybe I should bump uh, Terry McLaurin down to my, uh, to my number three. Um, so DJ Moore is who I chose. Um, I like, I like the situation and I feel that the situation is probably not going to change for a little while. Um, Matt Rule is there, and I feel like Matt Rule knows what he wants at every position, knows how everything interlinks, and is building a team that, as we see right now, they're 3-0. and uh, They're playing very well. Um, I can't tell you that um, – I, I almost said Sam Bradford. Wow. Sam Darnold. <laughs> um, Sam Darnold looks good. And like I said earlier, when we were talking about which QB we would want long-term, I think that Matt Rule, in conjunction with Joe Brady, know what Bradford, or did it again, Bradford, what Darnold is good at, what he's not good at. And they're trying to limit a lot of what he's not good at and, and highlight them. Now, who knows, two years from now, that might not be good enough. That might be more game manager stuff, and they want a high impact guy. They draft a guy, or maybe you know, maybe they shock the world and sign um, Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Like who knows? But um, right now, I, I like the situation because of the coaching staff that's there. I think Matt Rule understands how to build the team, and I think that's only good for a guy like DJ Moore. Um, I'm actually, after listening to you talk, I am going to move Amari Cooper up to two because um, he's just criminally disrespected every year. We act like, you know, and I get it. He's boom bust. He's this, he's that. But he was pretty consistent last year. And yeah, right now this season, he had the one big game week one and the last two games have not been great. But if he stays in Dallas, I think he's a, he's a, you know, 
top 12 to 15 wide receiver. If he goes somewhere else, he's probably a top 12 to 15 wide receiver. So, you know, why are you, you know, why are you going to, why are you going to pass on that? That's what I'm, that's the word I'm looking for. Pass on that. Um, Terry McLaurin. I like Terry McLaurin. The problem is that we, they don't seem to want to get a quarterback in there for some reason. Um, Yes, they got Ryan Fitzpatrick, and who knows, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick, Yolo Ball, it would have been great for Terry McLaurin. We will never know. I like what Taylor Haneke's been doing, and he's actually been, I think, uh, hyper-targeting Terry McLaurin. But Taylor Haneke is not, you know, the guy that's going to be starting for the next three years and trying to lead Washington to Super Bowls. He is a guy that's in there right now. I think he's doing well from an NFL perspective, but he is what he is, you know, and we say this about a lot of quarterbacks, you know, Hey, he's good for what he is, but you know, in the NFL being good for what you are usually uh, does not lead to long-term starting job security and usually doesn't lead to a lot of wins. Uh, Washington is one in one so far in his starts and Last week uh, against the Bills, he did not look good. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, so that worries me about McLaurin. And then, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. I mean, he's still he's still playing well, but it looks like Cliff Kingsbury is finally running the offense he's always wanted to run. He wants to spread it out to a bunch of different guys. You know, we've seen Rondell Moore have a game. We've seen, you know, A.J. Green have a game. You know, Christian Kirk have a game. And I think this is what Cliff Kingsbury has wanted to do since day one. He's wanted to have three or four good to great wide receivers and just keep you guessing. Let Kyler Murray throw it to whoever's open and let them do what they do. So. You know, unfortunately, I think that kind of what I said last year about this situation, I was worried about DeAndre not getting all the targets. And then last year he got all the targets. I think we're starting to see that this year. And this is kind of what I and a lot of other people were afraid of last year, that it wasn't going to be just a DeAndre Hopkins show. And look, he's going to have games like this isn't like DeAndre Hopkins is never going to have a good game again. There's going to be a game where he has like 10 receptions for 150 yards and a touchdown or two. But we can't predict those big games on almost a week-to-week basis, I think, anymore based on the way Arizona's running their offense. So uh, that's why he he goes into fourth. And obviously he is the oldest. So in Dynasty, we we like to get as many years out of a guy as we can. And if this is a startup, you're probably getting the least amount of years out of Hopkins. So Good question, Boyd. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, JRC at Viking Power 72. Uh, start one. So a quick aside. My favorite thing to do Sunday morning is just find people's start sit questions and answer them. <laughs> because it's one of it, it's actually how I first got started in the fantasy space is I would just literally search on Twitter fantasy football on Sunday morning and everyone's like, Hey, who do I start? Hashtag fantasy football. And I would just go through and answer as many as I could. 
And I didn't do it for a couple of years. And I said this year, I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing it again. I have so much fun doing it. So uh, my man, JRC at Viking Power 72, uh, this is one of my favorite things to do. And if you have those questions and you want somebody who will, will probably get back to you in a timely manner, uh, hit me up. I do it. I do it anyway. So um, hit me up on Twitter and I'll do it for you. Um, he wants to start one. Cole Beasley versus Houston. Jacoby Meyer versus Tampa Bay and Naheem Hines at Miami. So I'll, t- I'll take this one first. Um, I think I go Cole Beasley here. And I do actually like the other two guys and what they might do this week. But it's Houston, so that's helpful. It seems like Josh Allen has found his groove. <laughs> that's helpful. and. I mean, Josh Allen is just like, he is throwing, I mean, he's throwing a ton of targets to the guys he likes. I mean, we saw Emmanuel Sanders go off for two touchdowns last week. Cole Beasley had 11 targets, I want to say, last week. Um, It almost seems like the only guy that's not getting in on the party is uh, Stephon Diggs. But trust me, he's going to get on that very soon. Um, But yeah, I like the matchup. I like what the team is doing on offense. Uh, give me Cole Beasley, but this is actually uh, a tough question. Uh, what do you think, though? I think uh, I think it's close. Like I agree with you, and it actually, it looks like the results are pretty close as well. Um, I I think I'm going Naheem Hines. Um, I just I think I just I like his usage, and he's shown it already. Like I. I'm not reliant on necessarily – like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. So, like, I feel comfortable that he's going to get usage. Um, so, like, but I can't really have an argument for any of them. It's just one of those ones, like, which way am I leaning in? It's just barely that way. Um, Beasley, I, I mean, I agree. If, but I, I, the one thing I do worry is the game script gets a little out of hand and maybe he's not going to get utilized. But – if any of the wide receivers will, I think it would be him because of it being more of like a, you know, short and intermediate uh, passes. So like, I do like that. Um, you know, Jacoby, I'm just that offense. I'm just scared of, I don't know like who to pick all the time. And I just don't know. I, I can't, I, I can't outthink what B- or Bill Belichick's going to do. Like he's, like what I think he's gonna do, then he ends up doing something else, and he's usually right, and I'm usually wrong. So, like I just I try to if if I have other options, I'm just gonna steer clear of that situation personally. Uh, I agree with you for two decades. Uh, plenty a fantasy manager has uh, has torn their hair out trying to predict and outthink uh, Bill Belichick. So. Uh, I agree with you on that. And I'm sorry. Uh, I know Cole Beasley listens to the pod. I uh, I shorted him. He actually had 13 targets and 11 receptions last week. So I, I don't want Cole to uh, to hit me up on Twitter and, and tell me that I'm, you know, disrespecting what he did. And, um, I mean, the good news is if uh, if you want to talk Cole, Cole Beasley, because you did bring up a good point, Bill, what if this game gets out of hand, which uh, probably most of us are predicting it will. The game against Washington got out of hand and he still had 11 receptions and 13 targets. So, you know, it, it's actually pretty funny. His uh, 
his targets on the season. Week one, he got 13 in a close game. Uh, he got four in the blowout against Miami. And then he got 13 in a blowout against Washington. So uh, very up and down. And it's kind of hard to say like, oh, he'll only get it if the game's close or only get it for the blowout because we've seen him get a ton of targets in both situations. So it's, you know, kind of a wait and see thing there. But that was a, that was a good question, JRC. Um, next one here from uh, from Jorge Martin at Jorge Martin 17. Before you empty your fab for Chuba Hubbard, remember two things. Elijah Mitchell, CMC could be back by week five or six. Gracias at FBInjuryDoc. This is just a temporary takeover. Salud. So first of all, I love that he went uh, bilingual here with a gracias and a salud. So um, thank you, Jorge. And listen, how do you... How do you feel about Chuba Hubbard in your uh, in your redraft leagues? Um, I'm sure probably in Scott Fishbowl he was taken, but I guess he could have been out there on the waiver in some divisions. I know in my in my division he had, I guess he was taken during the draft, so he wasn't uh, he wasn't available to get picked up. But in other, um, my my wife is in a uh, in a redraft league, and she actually used um, her waiver priority to pick up uh, Chuba Hubbard. So what do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that, like, I think he's going to get most of the touches. Um, I'm not, and But that's a really good point that, you know, McCaffrey might be back uh, shortly. I mean, if he comes back in week four or five or, or five or six, I mean, you're getting a couple weeks out of him, right? Because – or or that third week or, you know, maybe the first week that CMC's back, there's like a little bit of a, a split, um, you know, like a more even split, but you know, it's going to be tapered down to nothing again. So um, ultimately it's, it's, are you a zero RB team or are you a team that needs a running back? I think that it's okay going big to get him to get a few weeks. And hopefully if you are a zero RB team, uh, some other things happen that will make your team, you know, better in a few weeks. And this will get you a few weeks of a running back that you might not have had otherwise. So um, if I'm obviously, if I'm okay at running back, I'm not going out of my way to spend a bunch of fab on somebody who's only going to be a temporary fix. Uh, Now, if CMC comes, doesn't come back till week 10, I mean, that's something like, you know, we've seen stuff before where players, you know, they come out and say one thing and then, you know, they just don't heal as quickly as we expect or something, you know, something else was up that they didn't realize at the time. So um, I'm okay making the move. Uh, I just, I'm probably not doing it in most of my leagues. Uh, I'm not spending all of my fab for them, I guess. So, uh, which means I'm probably not getting them because I've heard a few people that did uh, like spent all of their fab to get them. Yeah. So uh, the, Two interesting points here. Uh, first one, Jorge brings up Elijah Mitchell, and I don't want to, I don't want to throw dirt on Elijah Mitchell's grave yet. He had one bad game, and then he got injured. So I don't want to say that you know if you spent you know 50, 60, 70, 80 percent of your fab on Elijah Mitchell, uh, you invested poorly because 
we the the book is uh, not written on him yet. But the reason why we spent so much of that money was because we knew Raheem Mostert was going to be out the entire season. We we knew that before we we paid up. So and that's the reason why the price did get so high because we said, okay, who else is there? Jamichael Hasty, meh. Uh, Trey Sermon was inactive the first week, so we were like, we don't know what that situation is all about. Jeff Wilson, I think, is out at least six weeks, could be longer, so we don't really know that situation. So it was kind of like a nice little path. Um, but we think we know. I want to. I want to preface it like that. We think we know. CMC will be out less than three weeks because we're assuming if they thought he would be out three weeks or more, they would have put him on the IR. But we saw this last year with the injuries. It was kind of like, ah, you know, Christian is going to be back. He's going to be fine. He just needs a couple weeks. And then a couple weeks led into a couple more weeks, which led into a couple more weeks, which led into him coming back for a game. And then there was a shoulder injury and then it was the rest of the season. So, while we believe it's going to be less than three weeks, you just never know. And listen, I think Chuba Hubbard is okay as an NFL running back. But if he's that dude, if he, you know, and let's say it is more, it kind of, you know, it, it ends up being five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, because, you know, Carolina – you know, they're still winning games. You know what I mean? They're three and over right now. So if he's out eight weeks and they, you know, they split it and they're seven and four and Christian McCaffrey's a hundred percent. I mean, I think that's where they would want to be, you know, to have him ready later in the season, especially adding a 17th game. And if they plan on being in the playoffs, you know, they're going to want him. So Chuba Hubbard will be, probably worth the price if you get them even for an eight-week stretch but again we don't know it could be that he's only out for christian mccaffrey's only out for a week or two and then blowing 80 percent of your fab on chuba hubbard is a mistake because yeah maybe he wins you one week but is blowing 80 percent of your fab worth one week so uh you know you gotta you gotta look at it like that but that that's a very interesting way to look at chuba and I know he was the uh, the talk of the town, so I wanted to uh, I wanted to make sure that we we brought it up and we talked about it. So let's uh, let's hit up here uh, Dynasty Superflex at John. Uh, here we go five one two one nine zero six one. John, listen, man, let's get something with a little less numbers in it next time. All right, so I ain't got to say all that. Uh, Superflex, PPR, Dynasty, no tight end premium. So we got George Kittle, Brandon Cooks, and A.J. Green on one side of this deal. On the other side of this deal, we have a 22 first, a 24 first, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Gaskin. Who are you taking in this situation? Um, Bill, why don't you, why don't you start us off here? All right, yeah, I think that AJ Green's a throwaway here. Uh, Gaskin's almost there. Like, I mean, he'll do something this year for you, uh, but it's his dynasty. Uh, he's not much more than a 
a Jag. So uh, if we just look at it as Kittle and Cooks for Goddard and two firsts, um, I think it's pretty fair. Um, who do I want? Um, I do like Kittle and Cooks this year, or, or Cooks in particular this year. I mean, he's getting a crazy uh, target percentage and – uh, Kittle's Kittle. Uh, but the one thing is, you know, Goddard's kind of down right now. Um, Kittle's not been, you know, amazing either. And in a non-tight uh, end premium, like, is there a huge, huge difference between Kittle and Goddard? I mean, maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> but I think if, if it was too... 22 first, I think it's close, but I think I prefer to go with the players that I think can help me this year. And plus I think Kittle's going to have value for a while. So, um, I, I th think I stick with Kittle and cooks. Um, that 21 first really does nothing to me for me. Like I basically consider that like a late second round pick at this point. Like that's so far away. Like that's three drafts away. Like, geez. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I go with the, the all player side. Yeah. So I'm with you. Um, I'm going uh, George Kittle, Brandon Cooks and, and AJ Green as well. Um, I agree. AJ Green and Miles Gaskin pretty much negate each other because I don't, I don't see either one of them having a big impact. Uh, AJ Green actually had a good game last week, but I, I don't think that's going to be um, an every week event or even an event that you can accurately predict. Um, and I think by next year, they'll both have uh, little to no value. They may have that right now, but um, we're going to first and Goddard for Kittle and Brandon Cooks. And I feel that the value is still on that Kittle side. You know, we, we talk about, and if you listen to people talk about the, the tight end, it's still the big three. And you will get some argument about whether Kittle or Waller is that two and who's the three. But even with the way things have been going for George Kittle the first three weeks, he's still in that top three. He's still one of the elite. And that's how we're viewing him right now. So um, even though his play may not be matching the hype, I think that's where his value is at. Um, Brandon Cooks, hold on. I mean, people hate on Brandon Cooks, and I don't understand why. <laughs> because he's, he just go, it doesn't matter where he goes either. It doesn't matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He just goes out there and he balls. And he, yes, he, he will get you some down week sometime. But guess what? Didn't Tyreek Hill just go like two receptions for 14 yards this past week or something like that? Like every, every wide receiver is going to get you those weeks where you just go, but, but, but I thought you were good. They are good. They just, every wide receiver is going to have, you know, a week or two like that. The truly great wide receiver is only usually limited to, you know, two or three times a season, but uh, every wide receiver is going to do that to you. So, um, yeah, and I'm with you. The, the 24 first is like, like, that's not even an asset I can start dangling in front of people that has any kind of value. At least like 23 picks. We have Debbie guys that are already hyping up the 23 draft. Oh, this is going to be a really good draft. You know, this is going to have this guy and this guy and this guy. 
and that at least has some value we can dangle. But a 24, like, what, what are we? Like, hey, do you want a 24 first? Like, I can't name four guys that are going to be in the 24 class. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, you know, so yeah. So give me, give me the players. Um, and I think that's, you know, and this was a close one. This was uh, 57% for the player side for Kittle. Uh, George Kittle, Brandon Cooks, and A.J. Green, and 43% for the picks, Goddard and Gaskin. So a relatively close deal. But, um, yeah, I think we're in the majority, and I think the majority is right on this one. I think it's uh, the players. Uh, let's see. We'll hit up one more on the way out, uh, unless we get some more uh, questions in the chat. This is from uh, from our boy, Clinic Cap, at Clinic Cap. Uh, he was a guest on the show. We had a great time with him. He says, it feels yucky, but with Sterling Shepard hurt, Darius Slayton hurt, and Evan Ingram having glued on bricks for hands. I love that. Kenny Galladay is a buy low. And then he just put the the emoji of the grimacing uh, face. Uh, don't do it. So, Bill, have we have we entered? The Kenny Galladay buy low window, and are you are you looking to buy him on any of your teams? I'm not going out of my way to buy any wide receiver, really. Um, like that's just just a dime a dozen. Like Galladay, I mean, he's probably undervalued at the moment, just based on opportunity, and he can be one of those alpha guys. Now, will he be? I don't know, but. Uh, Sorry, I had a cough. Anyway, um, but, like, I mean, yeah, he's a guy that, like, is interesting, but with his injuries that we've dealt with before, the the lack of confidence in the offense in general, um, but he is somebody that, like, if I'm going to go out and buy somebody, that's the type of player I do want to buy just because there is a chance that they could be a game changer. Um, but why not go Kadarius Tony? And uh, super cheap, like he's a first round pick. Maybe, uh, maybe he pops. You know, like he's a guy that I would almost be more apt to go out and try to get. Like for, I mean, but for cheap. But like, really, what's the difference in the price going to be? Like, what do you, what can you get uh, Galladay for at the moment? I'm not really sure of that answer. Um, Tony's probably a second, right? Um, yeah, so, I mean, go ahead. You uh, answer, and I'm gonna actually look up what some Galladay trades have been. Oh, that'll be cool. Um, yeah, like, and, and we talked about this during we talked about this during the season. I was very worried about what Kenny Galladay would be in an offense led by Daniel Jones because he had been in an offense led by Matt Stafford, and and we've seen Matt Stafford in LA. He knows how to get the ball to good players, and and he did that in Detroit. Um, and I, I was worried about Daniel Jones having that same ability. And right now, I mean, I know he's also been battling through some injury stuff, so I don't want to make it seem like he's been out there every week, a hundred percent and just not performing, but I I'm worried about this offense. I mean, we saw them in a prime matchup, which I think a lot of us started our giants because we thought, Hey, Atlanta's in town. They should be able to score, you know, 30 points and it didn't happen. So, um, yeah, obviously he's probably the the man right now with all the injuries, but 
it doesn't make me feel good that I the reason why I have a buy low window is because Sterling Shepard, who I've always been a big fan of, and Darius Slayton get hurt. I mean, no offense, we we weren't predicting either one of those guys to be mega stars and break out. Uh, you brought up Kadarius Tony, which I think is interesting. Um, he's another guy that I I didn't ever like, not through the draft. And I know a lot of people were like, "Hey, Kadarius Tony can do all this stuff," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I, I just don't see it." But I think you're right. He is probably a much cheaper option than no. Oh God, T- no. The, that's why like I was thinking the same thing, but now I'm looking at these. Okay, two tight end league. Blake Jarwin straight up. For, for Galladay. Wow. Um, Galladay and Shark for Rondale Moore. Wow. Um, People have thrown in the towel, huh? Galladay straight up for Zach Moss. <laughs> um, these are all in the last uh, two days. But, so recent. We're not talking about yeah. three weeks ago. <sighs> um, Robbie Anderson straight up. Uh, that was a week ago or about a week ago. Um, yeah. So like there's, there's some package ones that it's hard to like kind of figure out like what the, like Amari and a second for Aaron Jones and a third with Kenny Galladay on the Amari side. (laughs) Like he's literally a throw in. He's a throw in. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So Hawkinson for Darrell Henderson, Galladay and Devontae Parker. I mean, oh man, that's a dollar for three nickels right there. Oof. Yeah, so I mean, it's cheap. Like it's there's low prices right now, and uh, yeah, so uh, cap. I think I agree with it is like it's worth going out and trying to get them if you can for especially at those prices, right? Like Kadarius Tony's probably the same price. Yeah, I mean, I, he might be more expensive. He may. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um. Listen, you heard it here first. I gotta go do some uh, Kenny Galladay hunting in some of my leagues because I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I if you would have given me those scenarios without looking them up, I would have I would have called you a liar. I wouldn't have believed that any of those scenarios were possible. But <laughs> it looks like they're very very possible, and uh, I I don't mind giving up a couple of blah pieces or maybe one blah piece on a contender just to see what I have. I mean, if Kenny Galladay ends up being a blah piece, whatever, I traded one blah for another blah and we'll just leave it at that. But wow, we, my goodness, uh, I'm shocked. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I don't usually get uh, <laughs> discombobulated like this, but I did not expect uh, the Kenny Galladay prices to go so low. So cap, you're right, dude. Um, if you, you know, I think this is a contender type thing only. Uh, if you're a contender, go out, throw your RB5. It seems like almost your RB4 and see if you can swing uh, Kenny Galladay on the other side or maybe throw your, you know, your RB6 in a third round pick and maybe get Kenny Galladay. And it doesn't feel like he has, he's played forever, but he's going to be 28 this year, yeah. this season. So it's not like he's young. And so, yeah, like, he hasn't played many seasons, but I think when the Lions drafted him, he was, like, 20, 23 going 24 or something like that. He was older, He had played, yeah. like, five seasons in college, I think. So, 
Yeah, I mean, definitely worth the ad though. He could still be. You might get two or two or three years out of him still. I mean, but even if you get this season at that price, I mean, that's pretty amazing. So worth a shot, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, am I willing to give up Zach up uh, Zach Moss for what the upside of Kenny Galladay might be? Sure, I don't care about Zach. Moss. They might take another running back in the third round this year in a joint. <laughs> like Zach Moss has not done anything in the league to kind of show us that he is, you know, an elite talent and then, you know, or make a bigger deal and just say, oh, can you throw Kenny Galladay in on your side? Oh, Kenny Galladay, I don't give. Yeah, all right, here, man, have him. I don't care, you know. Um, so, wow, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so – that that is it. That is all we got for uh, for what we saw on the timeline. Uh, we got to do our our shout out of the week, Bill. Our shout out of the week uh, to Jared Sparks at J Money Jared. So this is actually the second Dat Network uh, pod he's been mentioned on. He had a question on Trade Addicts on Monday, and now uh, unfortunately, not not as good of news is getting mentioned on. Uh, the trade addicts pod, but are uh, you out? Man. Condolences. Yeah, like uh, you out. Uh, third man down in our fantasy cares eliminator. Um, yeah, he's good, dude. He is. He's he's awesome. Uh, him and I chat on on Twitter all the time. Real good dude. Um, but I, I keep looking at our roster, and every week we survive, and I don't know how, <laughs> but we keep doing. We might win this thing, Bill. Who knows? They're playing with heart. That's right. Our guys. Um, we're no, we're no Matt Nagy's out here. We're not out here. That's right. We're, we're putting we're, our guys in eating, position. We're eating kneecaps. That's right. We're we're putting our guys in position to win. Uh, we give Bill and I. We give the big motivational speech every week before the game start. We say, you know, go team. We say, you, you're the only guys we would want. We we don't care if we could have had these other guys. We want you. You're the guys we want. We love you. Play hard. And they every week they play hard. They don't just don't like our hard. listeners. That's right. Just like our listeners. Um, Bill, you know, thank you to everybody. You know, I do this every week. Thank you to everybody in the chat, man. It was so much fun. Uh, Ridley Truther with some, some good questions. Our man, Steve. Lindsay Kennedy in the chat. Uh, so much fun when you guys give us questions. It just makes the show so much better because we get to we get to talk about more stuff, stuff that we haven't written on the show sheet, which is uh, always fun. Um, if you're listening on the podcast forum, thank you again. Hour and six minutes. We you could be doing anything else, and you decided to let us into your ears. Uh, so we appreciate that too. Make sure on uh, on YouTube. Hit subscribe and the bell if you're doing the podcast thing. Make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, and review. It gets us out there in front of other people, and we would appreciate it. Uh, and uh, one note before we roll out, and I know a lot of different people have been doing this, but um, I wanted to do it as well. Uh, we lost Mike Taglieri uh, this past weekend to covid uh, listen, I'm not going to say I knew him personally. I'm not gonna even going to say I talked to him. But if you listen to other people who did know him, talk about him, genuinely nice guy, family man, uh, wife and two children. And, you know, it's tough because, you know, whenever we lose somebody in our community, you know, 
all of us fantasy people, and I, I'm not even talking about podcasters or content creators. I'm talking about players, people that we just talk to, you know, we're, we're a tight group, you know, we're, we're kind of a club and losing somebody like that uh, stinks. I know Bill has retweeted it. I've retweeted it as well. Um, there's a GoFundMe for Tag's family. So um, if you could donate, you know, anything to that or just retweet, like some people can't donate and I get that. A retweet, man, is worth its weight in gold because that could reach one more person who who can donate, and uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, I know that uh, I put something out there for my son uh, the other day. Uh, cool little kid, he's only seven. He asked me, you know, how can we help other people? And I said, well, that's that's a you know, it's a very grown up thing to say. I said, let's figure this out, and. Um, my son and I are doing a walk on uh, on Saturday for uh, Shriners Children Hospital. And he said, oh, man, he goes, I get to help other kids. I say, hey, you get to help other kids. What do you think? He goes, that's awesome. He's like, let's do it. So um, I put that tweet out there. It's actually my pin tweet right now. So if you um, want to donate to either of those uh, tags or or my little guy, my little guy is on my pin tweet. I've retweeted the, uh, the tags GoFundMe before, but... If you can't find it, hit me up. I um, I can find it pretty easily, and I will send it to you. Uh, but yeah, man, let, let's just uh, let's just remember to be cool with each other and nice with each other. Like like we play a game, and it's cool to get into debate. Bill and I debate, like, and you know, but like let's not be mean to each other. Let's not be nasty to each other. You know, kind of what happened with tag shows is that like life is way too short, and to be nasty to each other is just not what it's all about. So let's be cool with each other. Let's be kind to each other. Doesn't matter, you know, about anything else. Doesn't matter, you know, politics, race, religion, sexual art. None of that matters, man. We're all just people, and let's just be cool with each other. That's all I got, Bill. I don't know. If, I don't know if there's anything else you want to throw on there, but. Yeah, I just uh, I tweeted out about how it's so nice to see everybody come together, but. I mean, there was a secondary comment that I didn't put in that is that the next day everybody's just going to be an asshole to each other again. And so sadly, we need to have this perspective to kind of give us, um, you know, the opportunity to maybe evaluate things and hopefully people start to do that more often. And, um, you know, I mean, Twitter's a big world, so it's a lot of uh, randoms, a lot of that, but... 100% 100% like the, the community is pretty incredible. Like he, within an hour, they had met their goal of a hundred thousand dollars. And within one day they had gotten to like $350,000. Uh, plus I believe, uh, uh, fantasy pros was given a hundred grand. So like the family's been helped out and that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And just the way everybody responded, it was just incredible. Cause I looked up like the top donations and I mean, there were some hefty donations, but most of it was like a ton of people donating, you know, five, 10, $25. And so there was just a lot of people that made donations and that's super cool to see. And I love how us as humans rally in times of, you know, difficult times. Um, we just got to learn to, to do it all the time, you know, not just, uh, um, uh, in times of, of, you know, 
of difficult nature. So, um, but yes, here, here on everything, um, that you said, Josh, that was well said. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny, you know, it, it is amazing that I think sometimes uh, people are scared to give because they think that giving fi- only $5, and I, I, I say only, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but they see kind of like GoFundMe, you can see what other people put up. So someone put up $1,000, you go, oh, this is only $5, but you don't understand that you and 50 other people put in $5, that's 250 bucks. That's that's big to a lot of 250 bucks is big to a lot of people. So don't think only five dollars, only a dollar, only ten. It's it's just about the giving. And Bill nailed it. Like the majority of of, of the donations are, are small numbers. They're not there's not ten thousand people donating ten thousand dollars. You know, it's a thousand people donating five bucks. It's you know, 500 people donating 10 bucks. And that's big. That adds up really quick. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, I put out my tweet last night. Um, so many retweets. Because, like I said, there's so many good people in this community. Um, and, like, just one tweet kind of later on at night, 9 o'clock, I think-ish, is when I sent it. And... My my son is almost to his goal of $250. And that's because of cool people just going, oh, man, this is really awesome. Let's, uh, let's just donate a little bit of money. And that's what it's all about. So on that note, Bill, let's get the hell out of here, man. All right. Uh, late.